Okay, okay. Whoa, whoa, Holiday. Wait, hold on, hold on, Holiday. You can't give it to them dry like that. You gotta get that shit wet first, nigga. Like, come on now. You gotta prep them for I shit like you. that. They can't just get that shit right off the top. Like, you gotta bring that shit back. Bring that shit the Let's fuck go. back. You are now listening to To Kenya Talks. Well, excuse me. <laughs> welcome back, family. Welcome, welcome, welcome back to another episode of To Kenya Talks 2. Um, I am today speaking to someone that I met on Twitter. Twitter is real. Yes, social media is real. Yes, you can meet dope people on the internet. Yes, you can. <laughs> Today, I have a special guest, and um, she's somebody I really do cherish and adore. I think that she's amazing, and she is one of the people who genuinely helped change me um, in my ideology on a lot of things that I have, and I'm continuing to undo. The intention for today's topic is to challenge people's ideas about sex work, Normali normalizing and humanizing sex work. Um, because first of all, it's a billion dollar business, yet people are being harmed at the speed of lightning for something that is so such in high demand, or else it wouldn't be a billion dollar business. Um, and not even that, sex work is work, period. And I know that it's hard to fathom that conversation because me growing up as a Baptist, Christ, Southern Christian Baptist, um, I know exactly the indoctrination that I was taught and I learned and I was taught to shame people who were sex workers and without even talking to someone, without even knowing their stories, I was immediately embedded to dehumanize sex workers because they chose to give up. Well, I'm changing. And because I'm changing, my content is changing. And today, we will humanize sex work. Listen to this extremely educated, knowing, thoughtful being as we get into the conversation. And I genuinely, truly hope you take something from this, as did I. Thanks for listening. So I want to, to give a warm welcome to my very, very special Twitter friend, Renee Rose, how are you? <laughs> Thank you very much. I'm really good. Thank you so much for thinking of me and for having me on your podcast. I'm really good. Of course. I, like, honestly, you can come on as much as you want to if you like. Because <laughs> I love talking to people. So today, the intention, so every podcast I plan to have an intention, um, simply because, like, I really, really am big about just, like, I really love the Black American community a lot. Mm -hmm. um, and I just feel like because we're a new culture and we don't have a lot of, we haven't had obviously in our history, a lot of access to education. We're very like marginalized. So a lot of how we feel is kind of outdated about certain things. So my intention today is to basically normalize the conversation and humanize sex work. Um, and I can honestly say that being raised in a black home, meaning black to the core, Baptist, Southern Baptist Christian. Yeah. I was indoctrinated yeah. with like, I was talking to another uh, friend who was on the show and we were talking about allies. I was indoctrinated to not 
care for the LGBT community and said like I believe that they were going to hell and also I feel like sex workers are you literally settling and feeling like um they could do better but they're going through hard times it, there was never a story about like sometimes people just that's that it's a job for them and it's okay mm-hmm. and you don't have to you know like dehumanize them based on the the stuff I was indoctrinated about right so today I want to have that conversation from an ex um asshole. <laughs> and I wasn't an asshole. Like I wasn't going around saying like, oh, you need to read John 316 or you're gonna go to hell. But it, I did have the thoughts. Like I've never been like an outwardly judgy person, but I did like I was like, oh sorry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sometimes it's okay. It's gross, that's important. Thank you. And thank you for even having the conversation because I just want, I'm glad that you feel safe even having the conversation with me. So I want to start off with how do, do you remember how we met? Like, do you remember what that conversation was like on Twitter? Um, I don't really remember the first conversation we had. I do remember um, seeing you post about your YouTube channel often and I finally checked it out and I really liked it and I, I like binge watched all of your videos in like one day. Um, and I don't even know how long ago that was, probably almost a year ago now. Um, yeah. Since then, I've been like checking for you every time I see you on the timeline. This girl saying, period. <laughs> <laughs> I do want to talk about, because I know that we uh, we talked about it earlier, but you're Howard grad. That's right. The first memory I have with you was, I. it was retweeted on my timeline that you would do a paper mm-hmm. and you were a Howard graduate. And I was just like, <laughs> Let me follow her. <laughs> Let me see what this is about. And I think I followed you. If it was a year ago, it was my junior year in college. And by that time, I didn't know I had senior artists until I started senior year. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. And I was like, you know what? She's a Howard graduate. I like stuff that she tweets. She's extremely educated. So let's see. And I remember reaching out to you. And at the time, I didn't, I don't think I ever put two and two together about like how you use your Twitter to promote your job. So I, I never, like, I don't know why it never crossed my mind. And I think it, it, it crossed my mind like most recently. But um, I do want to say, girl, the papers. Let me tell you something. <laughs> Okay, guys, she is a Howard graduate. And when I say Howard, I mean Howard to the core. I went to a PWI, but in Michigan, they call it the Black PWI because it's like where all the black kids go and they don't think that the smart people go here. And all of like the people who are smart that go to this school go for free just because the school wants to like up their quality or whatever they call it. I don't know. Um, But I I had to like dumb down the paper every time you wrote it. Like, I'm just like, oh my God. That's funny. That's something I didn't even know about. No, like I had to dumb down. Like I would go through it and was like, that's not a big word I would use. Like, <laughs> something else because that's not me. So like, you are extremely, extremely smart. And I want to mention funny. that is, and it, it sounds like super shallow, but like I feel like because of the indoctrination that mm-hmm. I was raised with, it, it, I didn't like. It surprised me that like, oh, somebody who's a sex worker is extremely smart too. Like, and like I'm not trying to be like. No, I understand. I told I I I was surprised to meet so many educated people, and that was only you know 
less than six months ago that I began meeting all these people and that my viewpoint changed. So I'm not here to judge anybody on what they used to think. Because I used to it too. <laughs> and I'm saying this because I want other people who are listening to know that like I, I get where you are, but you don't have to stay there. It starts honestly with the conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, but before we get into it, I did want to ask how was your um, Howard experience? Like, did you like I did love Howard. I loved it. Um, there were definitely some struggles, some of which got publicized on Twitter. So some of which I'm sure you're very aware of. Um, <laughs> I won't name drop anyone, but um, I loved it. If I could go back in time, I wouldn't change a thing. I would always, I would always be Howard. Yeah, okay. I loved it. What was your major? I was a political science major and community development minor. So that was, I started out actually as a marketing major. Um, and Howard School of Business gives you a lot of hands-on experience when you're when you're in school of business and a lot of corporate and boardroom experience with people who work in the corporate world. And so with you know doing that, it made me incredibly sure that the corporate um, lifestyle was not for me. So I switched over to political science because I'm very passionate about social issues. Yeah. Um, and that was absolutely the right move. I'm glad I did that. Yes. So, so you wanted to go into marketing when you first started, like, what was the job that you were like trying to like get the skills for? Um, I don't know if I had a particular job in mind, but advertising anything, I was very into advertising all throughout high school. In fact, my last two years of high school, I was part of DECA, um, which was the- I DECA. That's crazy. What section were you in? I don't know. I know it was in Michigan, but I don't know, like, was it like hospitality or business or what? Business, business. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So we we did all the projects and things like that, and just adver- having to like mock advertise for all the different. Yep. I services. Like it was you just going through so rooms and then like the competitions and stuff. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Exactly, and that stuff just came so naturally to me that I knew um, that marketing was, you know, for me. Um, and that's continued to be true. Even in political science, there's a level of marketing. And even in what I do now, I'm the only person that's marketing myself to the world. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, I have to be on a lot of different platforms and, and put a lot of hours into that. So that that really hasn't changed in all these years. It's still very much into marketing. <laughs> so, you, so when you changed to PolySci, like, how far were you into your degree, I mean, or your program before you left marketing and went over to political science? Just one year, so it didn't. It didn't oh, really okay. talk about that much. Um, I still graduated in four years. Girl, I know you did. <laughs> yeah, I had to take a lot of credits every semester, but I still graduated. But the, the thing is, Howard gave me a t- full tuition scholarship, but you could only have it for eight semesters. So, had I not finished in the four years, I would have been paying out of pocket. So it was the no-no. I was going to finish that in four years. Period. What kind mm-hmm. of shit? Eight semester? Well, I, that's the four years, right? Then. Mm-hmm. Well, it's like strictly four years. Yep, you know, not not one day more. So you have no college debt. Oh no, I have debt, but um, not very much. But I do have I debt. I stand for living <laughs> textbooks, stuff like that. I stand you. I can't can't relate, but it's okay. <laughs> I'm gonna get out of debt. I'm not saying I'm trying to get it out in the next couple of years. Either that, or I'm just not paying it off. One of the two. No, I'm really and actually, you know how like the conversation is like, oh, that is so like the school loan debt is so bad. I signed up for a program and they offered me at eleven dollars and ninety four like pay, monthly payment. So I don't know that link because that's not what I have. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, this is 
it's like okay so obviously i'm in the payback like i only borrowed fifty thousand, but i'll be paying back like a hundred thousand that's okay like because of the interest or what the interest yeah and it was already accruing interest which was confusing because i was what i read was it wouldn't start accruing until i graduated so we have six months after graduation yeah so i don't know why it was it was starting to pile on so i was gonna eventually call and say like hey y'all need to dial it back you <laughs> call these people, but no, seriously, send me the link though. Because <laughs> I, I, really, I was like, whoa, $11. I'm not like, that's why I didn't even talk about it on Twitter. So when people are like, I have to pay that so much, I'm like, girl, I'm over here paying $11. <laughs> <laughs> that's oh, really, that is that loan. Like, to be honest, I feel like, first of all, it's a scam. We already know that we've all been scammed and they shouldn't have done us like that. But secondly, I feel like that's their fault if they don't get their money back. Like, you like, probably give somebody that, that much give thousands of dollars to an unemployed teenager with, with no degree and no job. Like, that was your fault. So, if whether or not I pay them back, that's not my fault. That's their business. I agree. I co-signed that to the T, okay? <laughs> so, do you feel like your um, education was a necessity? Or do you think that you could have skipped out on getting your degree? Um, I probably could have skipped out if we're talking about it practically. Yeah. Uh, but I'm very much glad that I went. I, I hold my degree near and dear to my heart. Mm-hmm. College was a life-changing experience for me, as I think it is for most people. Yeah. Um, just some of the education, especially having gone to Howard, um, being a political science major, most of the classes focus on Black politics and Black history, um, yeah. and which were just things that I never would have been able to have access to, you know, Typically, those are things that you you don't learn in primary school. Right. Unless you have the fortune of maybe going to a black charter school. And then otherwise, you know, you don't even know about it to be able to teach it to yourself. So for me, for my personal development, I'm glad that I went to school. Um, but as far as professionally, yet to be seen. Because the jobs that I was able to get with my degree were paying me. I mean, embarrassingly low numbers. <laughs> okay, I'm right there with you, and I'm over it right now. Like, yeah. <sighs> so I'm really begging on this podcast just to work because I cannot. Uh, I have no doubt. Like, you're so into this. Your passion is very evident, and I think I'm matched. And there's no way that it's not going to catch on. Thank you. I'm going to receive that. Okay, because <laughs> I just want to put everybody on. Like, that's really, and I think like. More than anything, I don't like. I really want to get to a place where I can let other people get to where I am, because I want everybody. Like, I don't want nobody to have to do this shit no more. Like, I agree. I agree. That's the point to me. That's the point of having power and money. I want to disperse yeah. the community. I want to spread it around. Like, it's not absolutely. Sometimes I, I think I want to do it too fast, because I'm always the person. Like, as soon as I see opportunity, I'm like, I'll put somebody before me. Like, <laughs> I'm doing the same thing right now. It's like, I don't know if I'm ever going to have money, money, because every time I get some money, I'm handing it out to stuff. Like, yeah. I feel like that's what we need to do, like, with the resources yeah. that we have. I feel like that's really important, and that's the only way that, as a community, we're going we're gonna to get anywhere. I agree, especially in our community. We definitely right. um, But obviously, I brought you here because I wanted to talk about sex work. And like I said, and I mentioned, it, it's definitely... If it wasn't for my women and gender studies class, I definitely don't think I would have ever changed as a person. And I, I agree with you um, that college, in terms of it being a necessity, it changed me for the better, mm-hmm. period. Like, I had always known that I was never a judgmental friend. I had always had, like, a gay friend 
wow, the train is so disrespectful right now. So it was um, women and gender studies. It was black women and politics. And I don't know if you know her, but she's somebody I had a class with. Her name is Leave Me Alone on Twitter. Um, and she goes viral all the time for like twerking or saying something that like pisses off black American Twitter. Most certainly known for um, calling out the Greeks. She is known because at our school, yeah, the Q's and the Kappas, I can't even explain the level of disrespect here. Yeah. Um, and she was a victim of a lot of harassment. Just like, you know, I'm, I don't know if you, you went to like the Greek parties, did you? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I, I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. So she was a, a victim of a lot of harassment. And I think that class really opened my eyes up and like unveiled the Christian like cloak of like me. Cause I'm like, I was, so, I'm a virgin. Like I'm, I'm doing everything correct. And I think that everybody else should do better, but I'm not going to judge because holier than thou. And mm-hmm. I feel like that class kind of like finally broke the chains of me already not being a judgmental person, but also having intention behind it. Like the shit is all made up personally for me mm-hmm. now that I look back and you mean religion in, in, in total or what? Not in total. I get like, I get the point of religion. I get the love. Like for me, what I took from religion is it's all about love. Well, that's what, what it was for me. Um, and growing up in my household, more than anything, what I took from my grandmother who actually introduced me to religion was love. Like she was really, really big on love, which was why it was so hard for me to always like judge, like not having my friends over because they're gay or like not having the girls on the street that was sad. I was friends with all the, what everybody used to call the hoes. Like all my friends like were like mm-hmm. fast. That's what my family used to say. And I'm like, Girl, they're fun, period. <laughs> yeah, see, that's my issue with religion. I was brought up Baptist as well. I'm from Houston, yeah. Texas. I don't know if I've shared that or if you do that. But, so I came up Southern Baptist with two very old school grandmothers. Um, and fortunately, my mom wasn't so old school. And I think that's why I've been able to be like mentally liberated for as long as I have been. But just like it just a lot of it is very much um, I, I'm going to say hate cloaked in love. Like, yes. like there's a lot of pretenses and a lot of pretending that we are open and we don't judge people but really it's a lot of uh exclusion and judgment and hatred and i call it the nice nasty syndrome like it's nasty it is. they sprinkle in a thin 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 layer of nice. yes yes mm-hmm. i agree and so that that class is really what like kind of I was like I'm going full force into supporting everybody and saying fuck the judgment because I don't pay that now I'm like I protect everyone because I don't like that um, and so I, I was on your Twitter and then I saw you retweet a picture out of that work and I was like what the hell is going on girl what is you retweeting and it was with the link. So it, your page, you said what? What did you just say? It was a picture, but you had a link in the in the picture description of, and you were saying that you would be, I don't know where you would be, but you would be there for two days, and here was the link. So I yeah. go on the link, and when I tell you, like this, every this is where everything came together for me because I already have this sad pretense of what sex work is like. Like it's this dirty, gritty, under like so much going on. Everybody has issues, and your page was like, it was almost like. Welcome to like, it was, <laughs> like 
and this is after you've done the paper. So I'm what? How? Like, it's almost like they, I feel like you're, a lot of your clients probably come to you with respect, period, just because of how the website got me together. Because I was expecting, like, uh, I want you at the crib, sucking dick at this time. And I'm not being, like, you know, I'm not, I'm not being funny. Okay, but I was expecting, obviously, because of pre, like, post pre, like, before, I'm like, this is, yeah. We'll try to like not even to get up, but it was just like well, okay. But when I saw your face, I was like, she is changing the game. Like, and it's like a lot different compared to what other websites I've seen. But yours was just like, I need a deposit. I need to make sure I know who you are. I'm not playing those games. Yeah, it's price right front. Let's not play those games. I'm here to Let's make money and have a good time, not to gamble with my life or you know. But- Honestly, and I love that, and this, and I also want to uh, reiterate that I'm not saying that because you are more educated than you're deemed a better sex worker. I want to say that I, like I just said, I graduated last year with a bachelor of science, and I'm like the most undereducated sex worker that I know. Are you sure? Lots of people have master's degrees. Lots of people are PhD candidates or hold PhDs, yes. and I'm at the point where I'm like, okay, I need to freaking get another degree so I can keep up with these hoes. Like I. I need I need something hanging on the wall. So it's definitely, if anything, it's like motivating in that way. It, it, I it, think it, that people need to know that. Like, mm-hmm. I don't think people equate sex work with education, honestly. And I'm one of those people that was like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I really didn't know. So yeah. I think that, and I also want to talk about, so I know we didn't get to really talk about it, but you said you were raised by your grandparents and your mom. So was your mom like a big help in letting you be I guess, liberated and being able to express yourself unapologetically? Yeah, so my mom is definitely not 100% as open-minded as I am, but she is more so than than her mom and my dad's mom. Um, so I think that definitely having someone in my life who's not quite so traditional and so conservative and was open to some of my thoughts and beliefs um, as a child, that definitely has helped me, you know, become the person that I am and, and be the open-minded, you know, Person mm-hmm. to be at least. Yes, yes. Because I, I feel like that's another thing I feel like, and I can only speak for the black community because I don't know anything about any other community, but it's always like it goes back to like, oh, well, their parents didn't love them when they were little and, and blah, 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 blah. And I've ne- like, I've always wanted to be like, what if people genuinely just like sex and want to get paid for it? And there's no reasoning behind it, there's no trauma behind it. Mm-hmm. What it like, why can't that be a thing? There's some kind of logical disconnect there because those same people are not saying that about other promiscuous people. Um, in fact, I'm gonna let you in on a little secret. I probably have way less sex than the average person my age. Um, really? Yeah, it's it's surprisingly that was like. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so first of all, those people don't know what they're talking about. But secondly, there's just some kind of disconnect. And I think the issue is that people are just very angry about the idea of women taking control of their lives. Um, and making money in a way that, you know, we don't have to ascribe to a, like a patriarchal set of values to do so. Um, because, you know, I'm sure the average early 20s person, uh, myself included up until now, really, you know, is going out having Tinder dates, hooking up at parties. And we don't say that those people don't love themselves. You know, some people 
But for the most part, that's considered normal, which I think is fine. Being promiscuous is fine as long as it's safe and healthy. Um, But once money is added into the equation, like suddenly that makes it worse. It just takes it out the ballpark. And it's like... There's some kind of disconnect that I'm not able to grasp. Yeah. And I also like feel like you also helped in me realizing like, I already always have felt like men are trash. And I, and I don't mean it in the sense of, like, because you know how men are like, oh, men are trash. The system in which men benefit from is trash. That is why I say men are trash. And, and the fact like, that for me, joyfully benefit from it, double yeah. down, you know. And I feel like, because I feel like men are trash, I don't see anything wrong with charging for their time. If, you, if I feel like you're trash and you're going to get on my nerves, you're going to have to pay me. For something. <laughs> Taking the trash part out of the equation, for women, interacting with men on any level is labor. Like, it is indeed laborious. Okay. Whether it's emotional labor, sexual labor, you know, making him feel good, stroking his ego, you know, fixing him up after his boss was mean to him at work. Yeah. That is laborious and that takes energy out of a person. And unfortunately, we live in a capitalist society. So things that are laborious, in my opinion, should be monetized. That's a period. That needs to be pinned. <laughs> a pinned tweet. <laughs> Honestly, like my, our, my, well, my grandmother and the shit that she went through, she's owed a, a good million dollars. Like, yeah. A good million. They all are. All of them. All Honestly, of them. just off the strength of the shit that she went through with just like all of our elders that they went through, I'm like, how and why are you not in jail? That's crazy. Honestly. Honestly. I don't even know how my family is is still close as we are as much as drama we have. But it's because the women choose to keep it together and they choose yeah. to do what they should do, which is commit murders. Exactly. And then I was gonna ask. So how okay. So I guess because I want people to know that I'm treating this time. I want people to know that sex work is a job, period. So when you ask these questions, I want to make sure that people know that, like, I'm asking you just like it's a regular job. Like, what do you like on a job? What are your hours on a job? I'm not going to ask that. But I was going to ask before I get into that, like, how were you able to go from working in the, was it corporate America, I guess? Um, Yeah, I was working in the legal field. How are you able to make that transition and ignore adversity? Uh, well, fortunately, it's a lot different for people who, fortunately and unfortunately, people who are online based as opposed to people who are outside. Oh, um, yeah. So it's much easier um, to sort of build a website and build an online presence. Um, and then once you have that, it, it's a lot easier to just do your marketing and, and you know, hopefully sooner than later start reaping the monetary benefits. Yeah. Um, I think you have a pretty tight community on Twitter though too. Very much so. Very supportive. I was shocked. It is absolutely judgmental. I love it. I love your community. (laughs) Uh, Everyone's trying to keep each other safe and I really appreciate that. Um, And also because I don't have to like spend hours outside or anything like that, it's easy for me to control who knows and who I tell unless I was to get doxxed or something which God forbid that ever happened to anyone. Um, it's kind of up to me who knows this about me. Okay. So that, that has made it a very easy transition. Now, what was the term you said, doc? Yeah, doc thing. This happens to anyone. Um, it happens to political people a lot where, you know, their adversaries will somehow find out their information. I, I know you're behind the hot justice. Um, well, they, well <laughs> <laughs> where they'll find out someone's information and publicize it so people can either call them, blow up their email, show up at their okay. job, um, show up at their home, you know what I mean? Just publishing someone's real life details. 
for the purpose of harming them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that does unfortunately happen in the sex work community. It happens to political commentators often. It happens to people who look at Jay-Z like every other week. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's very true. And I do want to, I feel like the more the, these conversations are had, it'll take away that that ammunition. People won't be able to use yeah. that against you anymore, especially because I feel like someone like you own it. And I really, really appreciate that that about you. And that's why I was so comfortable like talking to you because you're just like, yeah, whatever. Like who cares? <laughs> <laughs> it's fine. It's good. I'm, I'm happy. Yeah. So I was going to ask, so for you, how was it like going from like, were you working like nine to five to then changing your hours? How was that transition? Theoretically, it was nine to five. They had me in there like 60 hours a week, girl. And it was not, it was, I was making under 50,000. And it was just, girl, no, ma'am. all the time, all day, like every day. So now um, I really only work with, well, I only meet with clients for a few hours a week. I haven't really put a number to how many actual hours that I work. Mm-hmm. Probably like 30 something, if you include, um, editing my website, ad copy, marketing on Twitter, those sorts of things. Mm-hmm. Those a lot of time, maybe even 40 hours. You're super cool. So like, how long did it take you to build a um, consistent clientele? Um, I still don't know that I have a super consistent clientele. Like if new people were to just totally stop looking at me, that would put a real dent in my income. Um, so like I said, I've been, I went to college in DC, so I've been here for about five years. Mm-hmm. Um, and throughout that time, I've been doing less sophisticated forms of the same thing. So from that, I already had people in my corner who wanted to, you know, help me out and invest in me. Um, so, and that's been developed over the past five years. But now, um, I'm still in the process of building up my clientele. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, I guess I want to know, were you like, because I have a lot of anxiety. And I'm like now I'm a version still because of anxiety. Like how how are you able to like get over or did you even have reserves about meeting new people? So I like my my anxiety is strange. Absolutely. I still feel nervous nervous every time. Lots of people do on both sides where there is the worker or the client. Um and that's something that's one of the things that you'll see kicked around on Twitter a lot. You know, girls asking other girls, like, what do I do about these nerves? I'm nervous yeah. every time. Um and for me, I'm gonna keep it back. I sometimes will have a little bit of wine, not a full glass because I do need to keep my wits about me. Yes. Um, but I'll have a little bit of wine and that'll mellow me out. Taking selfies helps me. Does I, it, I, it really does because it's like, I see what they see. Like I see why they are wanting to. <laughs> That's <laughs> nice. And then, well, you know, it's a hot girl summer. So you got Megan. I don't know how you feel about Cardi, but Cardi songs definitely hype me up. I love her. Songs, music that get me gets me in the mood um, and make me, you know, feel myself. That helps. That helps. But at the end of the day, they are probably nervous too. Um, but once you get there and there's a human connection, mm-hmm. all that melts away and it's a really good time. Um, I was gonna ask because I know that like out in the, I mean, I'm, I and I keep referencing Black Twitter because this is where I've learned how, like, oh, that's all me. Are the clients as dehumanizing in person, or do you think that's just for like the the conversation where it's dehumanized, just in the the realm of Black Twitter and conversation? 
that's a stereotype. I've literally never had a client be anything but amazing. Really? And there are some, surely there are some people in the world who do see sex workers to abuse them. Um, but for the most part, that's not what we experience. Can I into that? There's a lot of really, really nice people. That I, honestly, it's a better class of people than, than the people who I was dating when I was just dating for personal reasons. That is, and I really think, I mean, your website really does set the tone. Like, I cannot stress that enough. That's true. It does have a lot to do with marketing and like your price range and things like that. What kind of clients you will attract. Yes. Yes. And I feel like when I saw the website, I was like, oh no, she's, she's a bad bitch. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you so much. This was just such a really cool experience for me. When I was at the firm, part of what I was doing was communications, uh, building websites, drafting ad copy, writing communications, newsletters, blogs, and things like that. Yeah. So it's been cool in this stage of my life to double down on that and gain some new skills. I, I mean, at, at that point, I had um, at least a skeleton of a website, but I built this all by myself from scratch. Um, I take my pictures, oh, I copy, like I do all of that, which is why you hear the girls yelling about how this is really work because it is like it yeah. really it is. It is a job that you would pay someone for. You have to market. You have to be interactive. You have to deal with dummies on Twitter. Like I cannot like block button is a godsend. It really is. Um, I like to say that being with clients is very easy, mm -hmm. um, but it's getting your face in front of the clients. That's hard. Yeah. That's hard part. Yeah. So do, do you, are most of your clients coming from Twitter or are there other avenues that you use? There definitely are other av avenues. Typically my favorite people do come from Twitter and I think that has a lot to do with them seeing what I'm like as a person, they get a really, you know, long-term glimpse of my personality um, and they know how I like to be treated. Um, and then I think that um, Twitter just begets cool people. Like most of the people that are 40 to 50 who like hang out on Twitter, on certain sections of Twitter at least, are pretty cool people. How did you even get to that? Like, I feel like there's a niche, like how did you get to the niche like that? Like, how did you do that? Um, I just, I seriously, I was burnt out and I knew that I was leaving my job and I knew that, that I had another skill set. And so I just started following women to see what they were about and they okay. started following me back and it just became, you know, net networking just like any other network. That is so cool. I like, I honestly admire like the community and like, I'm so glad that a lot of the people that I follow, cause I know I have like a lot of problematic followers, some, but I'm glad that they don't have access to your community because it's so refreshing to see like how all of the women are so super supportive. Like I saw a thread the other day and it was women just being so liberated and posting videos of their bodies. And I'm just like, can we like, can this be a normal thing? <laughs> Set of values and just apply it to society as a whole. That, I think yes. that would be great. I think everything about it, like society should follow suit yes and i feel like all of the negative opinions are literally it's like projection for me because i now that i'm looking back and i i know in high school i was really into like slut shaming and mm -hmm. telling women to be better women and now that i look back it was because i was like the fat dark-skinned black girl that didn't get any action mm -hmm. I, i'm a hundred percent sure if yeah. i had more privilege i would have been a hoe like i and i know that about me because of just the shit that I like, like I've always been. I love sexual shit. I love talking about it. Mm -hmm. I told my best, me and my best friend want to go to like a sex party. We don't want to participate. We just want to sit in the room and just like just do that. Wherever you live, but when you come to DC, let me know, girl. 
Period. Can we please? Because I really want to go. <laughs> I just want to see and just watch people just enjoy each other. And like, mm-hmm. I, I want people to be more honest about like the, the judging and all of this moral. Per- you cannot legislate morals. And that's like one of my biggest things. Like, it's very it- odd the concept it's- of even wanting to do so. And it doesn't make a lot of sense. Uh, we know that America is very misogynistic, very puritanical. We're one of the only. Uh, industrialized countries in the world that has these weird old school views on sex but even all of that aside sex work is such an industry I'm gonna say it's probably a billion dollar industry because some girls at home seven figures um and if you expand that to things that are outside of full service work it's definitely a billion dollar industry so it's it's odd to me that you know the government wouldn't want to tax that like you typically at the end of the day everything is about money but it's like this is the one thing the one thing that the u.s wants to do you know that we that we prioritize over money is is sort of oppressing women yeah okay that is so crazy so on your website you refer to yourself as a muse have you ever been booked to just model that's funny. <laughs> no, but I do. Um, you know, I've been booked to just kind of hang out, have dinner, or things like that. Um, and then I do, um, you know, photo shoots. So I felt so like it was an appropriate term. But I think that's something that people don't realize. I'm often booked to go eat dinner and come home. You know what I mean? Or go see a show and come back home. The question I left off on was, what are some terms or phrases, like even within this conversation, you feel could be changed to make it, um, sex work more humanized? Um, really, any of the things that are misogynistic. Um, so, gold digger is a big one that I don't like. Um, yeah. I don't even feel like that's a real concept. Um, we don't call men anything when they date women for social status or for sex or because they're really physically attracted or because they'll, you know, make a good accessory at, you know, work events. Like, we don't have a word for that for men. So yeah. I don't think that there should be a word for women who also get something out of the exchange. Um, that's probably my biggest one. The other one's, like, slut, whore, that prostitute that you've heard of. Streetwalker is a big one that I find personally offensive. I'm not working the streets but I feel like that is absolutely used to demonize and dehumanize the people that are, I don't like that at all. I agree, I agree. I think that those words, like people, words mean things and it's a lot of power behind words. People use those words. It's literally, uh, a, to me, and especially like in the hood, it's it's a way for niggas to already feel like in, in their terms, I can dog this bitch or dog that. Like it just turns into, it goes from the person being a human being to a literal like, it like and I hate that I like, hate it so much that's exactly what it is and that's why people fight so hard when we say you know can you please not use that word like they will fight tooth and nail like it's a personal attack on them um and it's because people don't want that shift in power um the idea of someone being inferior to you makes a lot of people feel more valuable more powerful than they normally would be able to in their everyday life um but that becomes a problem when you're dehumanizing people who haven't done anything to deserve that um just the other day on twitter i don't know if you saw this tweet it went semi-viral where some guy was saying women who sell pussy that's another term that i hate because it's just factually inaccurate um, and then many women, women to the vagina with like 
sex work is so much more than that, but whatever. <laughs> yeah, it's not realistic at all. Um, but he was saying that women who sell pussy are not people. <gasps> and that's that's that. exactly the point of all these Mm-hmm. Um, I think I think actually his account got suspended, so um, I feel like I have something to do with period. it. Period. <laughs> that. But but that's the point of all of it. Like he said it in a more literal way. But that's what all those people mean who use those terms. They mean you're not a person, so I should be able to treat you. However, up to and including rape and murder, which is why those terms are not okay. Yeah, it yeah. leaves such a gray area. I feel like, and I don't think people, and that's why I'm so into humanizing the things that are dehumanized because when there's like a clear like Mm -hmm. if you're this then i can treat you this way there's a gray area in the middle where people can just get away with shit all the time and it goes to like being trans like as soon as if if that word is in the picture you can get away with murder literally literally Literally, you can you literally can and that's why it's time to change people's mindsets like especially when it comes to trans people i feel like a lot of people have the idea that humanity is men and women so when they start calling people stuff like trannies and other words like that, it's like, now I don't have to treat this person like a human being. Now I can disrespect them. Now I can physically abuse them. I can take what I want from them. I can murder them. And there shouldn't be any consequences because that was not a human being. And that's how we need to not only fix our mindsets, but fix the language that we use. Because that's, I mean, once we start calling people things that are dehumanizing, that's just the beginning of the end. Exactly, I agree. And then I also wanted to just speak to, and I and I, I should have brought it up when we were talking about um, being raised by grandmothers, but the idea that because the dads are in people's lives, that's why they go astray as well. Because there's this idea that if a man is in your life, life's supposed to just be much better. Like, <laughs> and I was yeah. wondering. If you mm. that. Yeah, I think we just have a weird obsession with like the idea that proximity to men makes women more valuable and it's not correct it's not true i mean i had a very solid family um unit i was my grandmothers were heavily in my life but i was raised by my mom and she was married and my dad was also with my life so it's not like i didn't have male figures Uh, my uncles definitely showed me a lot of love and guidance and i got a lot out of my relationships from them so it's not a matter of not having positive male figures in my life it's a matter of me being a grown woman doing what i want to do period and if it's working for you that's what it is and i don't think like there should be any judgment or any ill will and i'm just glad that we get to have this conversation because i i i honestly feel so comfortable and i've always felt this way i remember even as a kid there was this lady, her name was Slay Slay, and she was in the, we used to live in, I used to live in like the hood, Westside Detroit. Her name was Slay Slay, and I love Slay Slay. I never knew that she was a sex worker. I just really love Slay Slay, and Slay Slay loved me. So my mom used to always get mad because she used to go to work, but before she would get to work, I would, like, Slay Slay would be walking down the street, and I'm like, let me go say hi to Slay Slay before my mom would see her. And it wasn't until I turned like 10, 11 that I found out that she was a sex worker. But, and I think that's where like my non-judgmental side came from because even with my family telling me that I love Sway Sway, like- That's another as a person before other labels or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So it, that was, I feel like that was one of the big, a big moment for me um, to where I was being able to raise, I was raised in a Baptist home, but, and being taught the things that I was taught and still, you know, if you do this, you're going to go to hell. I still, in the back of my mind, was like, well, I still love Sway Sway and I still love my friends. So it is like, yeah. yeah. So college mm-hmm. really did, like, it, it really did help me a lot. Um, so I was going to ask, uh, how important is it for you to, um, well, how important, 
important is it for women to be comfortable with their bodies too? Very important. In fact, this has helped me with that so much. When I first came in, I was really nervous that I would not be successful because I'm a darker skinned black woman, plus yes. size. Um, I mean, I know that I do come with the kind of shape that people typically like, but I'm still bigger than the average person. Um, yes. So the fact that people still, even with that, like want to spend time around me and like consider me a person of value that has really helped my self-esteem quite a lot in a way that I don't think anything else ever could um so this has been useful for that but I definitely think I mean what your physical form looks like is among the least important things in the world like it's just not I mean of course everyone wants to look good and I think that's fine there's nothing wrong with that but at the end of the day I think that we should all decide that about each other like I know it sounds like an after school special, but we should decide to judge people based on their values and their beliefs in those things and not what they look like. You know what I mean? Yeah. Especially because like desirability politics, especially in the US have a lot to do with things like race, class, yeah. fat phobia, gender, whether or not you subscribe to that. And those are just things that, you know, we cannot control. So I just feel like it's not even it's not even worth the hassle, especially for women to to try to hold themselves to those patriarchal standards, most of which are just not realizable. It's, and, and the crazy thing to me is when I found out, because I found this out in women's gender studies, that gender is a made of social construct. I was like, what the fuck is going on? Like, why is this a thing? Like, why are we so our identity is wrapped up into something that's not real? That is crazy. It's it's really ridiculous. It's really pointless. I don't know why, what happened for, for <laughs> us to have decided that a binary was the right way to go about things. Yeah. Um, but especially now that the nuclear family unit is less central in society, it's time to cut that out. Like, it's not relevant. It's not helping us do anything. Like, it's not helpful. The statistics don't reflect it being a good thing in the first place. Like, I'm really like, every time I get into a debate where I feel like it's just so low in vibration, I'm like, it's 2019. Like, we're not doing, change the conversation or don't have a conversation at all. Like, if you know that you don't even, you don't even have the range, let's be honest, most of the people who do try to engage in those conversations, you don't have the range, you don't have the education, you haven't tried to educate yourself, even if you didn't have access to, you know, higher education, like, you don't have what it takes, so just stop talking. Yes. Just listen while the grown-ups speak. Period. And I like I've found that like because even I didn't know that one of the girls that I went to school with, I found out she was a sex worker after I graduated. Mm-hmm. But like some of the smartest people work in the sex working industry. And I've also found that because they're so smart, they're able to kind of live in both like realities. Yep. I think that being educated, uh being an educated woman typically means being an emancipated woman. Yep. And I think that women start to be aware of what their options are and and you know Often people who go to college do learn how to think logically, not even college, but just, you know, who've been to some formal school setting, uh, learn how to think logically. And when you're weighing your options, which is be abused by some employer who doesn't care about you and will give you the worst health care possible and would pay you less than minimum wage if they could, or you can work for yourself and travel when you want to have most of your days free and make a ton more money. Like, is it, is it even really, you know what I mean? So once people, women um, feel free to make their own choices, I think a lot of them, you know, and especially as it becomes more normalized, I think a lot of them will start going the same route. Okay. Um, and I do think that, that being educated has a lot to do with that. 
So, and I was reading an article recently, actually, I want to say it was in The Guardian or one of those publications where um, it was saying the number of sex workers in college has now skyrocketed. Um, really? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's impossible. It's it's sort of impossible because as a college student, what are you supposed to do? You need food, you need textbooks, you need all of these things. No one is making $100,000 a year as a 20-year-old. So if, you know, that's your option to get it taken care of, that's what you got to do. And that's, it is what it is. And I also want to say before we end the show that I feel like because sex work is so dehumanized it's so easy to come up with all of these i don't want to say them because i don't want anybody to feel like you know but sex work is literally just work so just like there are jobs that are horrible and there are jobs that people don't like going to and they're not happy to do sometimes mm-hmm. do things that you some people they work as a custodian and they clean the toilets but they don't want to do it and they feel horrible doing it because they belong somewhere else it applies to work, period. Like, I want people to know that sex work is work. It's a job. It has the same ups and downs and, you know, intricacies and nuances as any other industry. Um, I definitely feel like it just has been the most liberating. I've been an office worker. I've been a, a retail employee. I've been a fast food employee. I've been a server at multiple restaurants. And in all of those, I in every single one, I was sexually assaulted you know, or, or sexually harassed. It wasn't physical. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, and that, that's never happened to me here. You know what I mean? Um, but there's definitely a spectrum and I'm glad you brought that up. Like there are people who are forced in and who are um, trafficked. There are people who love it and, and make six figures and this is the best thing that they've ever done with their lives. And there are people in between for whom it's a living and they don't want to be doing it, but it's what they need to do to get by. And I feel like once people stop demonizing the idea of women having sexual agency, then we can have that conversation. Um, I also feel like sex work has uh, a massive overlap with the conversation about worker rights and labor rights. Um, Because the way to get people out of sex work who don't want to be in it is to make, you know, one, make other jobs more equitable Mm -hmm. um, and more accessible and less unpleasant. And two, to give people the resources that they need to get by so that they don't have to pimp themselves out, whether it's to a literal pimp or whether it's to some corporate CEO. Yes. So um, I definitely think that that is a conversation that should be had, not, you know, less in sex work. Let's make these women stop doing this. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And I'm so glad that we got to have a conversation. I think that people are, and it, it sucks that it's this way, but if I could use my education and degree to make people hear Mm-hmm. us then that's what i'll do i feel like people are more willing to listen when there's privilege involved and i feel like especially with black women our privilege is in getting education and mm-hmm. that's why i wanted to have the conversation with you because you are educated and i when i tell you i wouldn't have graduated without you girl <laughs> i'm and glad i can help right now <laughs> mm-hmm. um i i really feel like the more conversations that we have to um just make stuff more human and make people like you don't I feel like if, if it's more human, people are less likely to treat it like shit. Like, and absolutely, I like, yeah. I definitely think it will take time, but I think that you know, as more people are coming out um, and talking about it, and people who present as normal people, someone that you know might be your neighbor, or you know mm-hmm. what I mean, your might be your lawyer, might be the cashier at your local giant, people who look like people that you would actually talk to, come out and say, "I am this." I have experienced this. I think that's what's going to get people to listen. I do think it'll be a long-term journey, but I'm glad that we have started. 
it's, it's good to start. And I also want one more thing before you go. I know that a lot of people, um, because they don't have the range, their mind goes to things like, well, what do you tell the kids? And like, like it, it automatically goes to the things where it's what? just like, I'm grown and I don't have kids. So that's that. I don't have to tell any kids anything. Yeah. Now, when I have kids, if I even choose to do so, um, they will have a healthy attitude towards sex and workers. So that will be a natural conclusion. I, and I think it's like kids are not dumb, and I think that it's the parents yeah, that I, makes things I, I, I to be a porn star when I was like eleven. Did you and really? That, that has always stayed with me. Mm-hmm. That is so. I love that. Yeah. You don't hear people say that, but I'm pretty sure you didn't even feel comfortable to say that because of like. It never occurred to me that that was realistic until recently. Yeah, yeah, and you yeah. actually got. I love that. I love, so. Would you ever do porn? I don't know. I'm, I'm the, the idea of like my grandma stumbling across it like makes me feel I... even though my grandma is the absolute <laughs> least um, judgmental person that I know now. It's taken a lot of growing. Yeah. Um, it's still the idea of her like looking me in the eye. Yes. <laughs> seeing that is it makes me a little squeamish. But um, other than that, maybe <laughs> I, I do think it's something that I could be good at. So yeah, I so if you do, I support you. I Thank you. So. <laughs> Thank you. Well, that is the conclusion of this conversation. You know, you are more more than welcome to come back if you want to talk some more. If something bothers you on Twitter and you want to just like dispel some shit and and let people know, like I'm really I want things to be more humanized. I'm tired of this mm-hmm. conversation, this basic ass conversation, cis hat conversation. I'm tired of it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. A shift in the culture, and I'm really really. I'm on the tra- I'm on the train personally. <laughs> um, I think the last thing that I really want to get out is that it is impossible to support marginalized people um, and marginalized identities without supporting sex work. Sex work is the only way that lots of women, black women, black people, black LGBT trans women, people, trans people, non-binary people, like they're poor people. I mean, there's no way that you can call yourself a socialist or a feminist, in my opinion without supporting sex work. Like there are just way too many marginalized communities um, and people in those communities for whom sex work was their only way out of whatever situation they they were in. So there's no way that you can, in my opinion, support those communities or proclaim to without supporting the rights of sex workers. Absolutely. I I wholeheartedly agree with that statement, period. (laughs) Period. People can follow me on Twitter. Okay. Okay. Renee Rose on Twitter. That's never gonna change. DC okay. Renee Rose. Thank you so much for coming on the show. But you, you are so very welcome to come back anytime you want to. Thank you. Absolutely. I would I would love to come back. Thank you for even thinking of me and thank you for doing this. This is really important and I appreciate it. Of course. All right, y'all. I'll be back next time.